Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Barry Roberts. Barry has been in Costa Rica for all his, heart, all his life, uh, and during that time has owned an array of businesses, advised governments uh, on easy ways to create sustainable tourism. Uh, you know, I personally see Barry as kind of one of the pioneers of Costa Rican tourism here. Uh, I know he's too humble to see it, say that. I would even go as far as saying one of the godfathers here, the original godfathers of tourism. There are kind of a handful of them um, and just great guys. You know, Barry has a company called DDD that helps tourism companies uh, improve their sales and marketing processes and pipelines to maximize revenue. Uh, and he's very successful at it. So we'll cover a little bit of that today. Also get his opinion on where he sees um, kind of the opportunity in the market. Uh, again, Barry's been here his whole life. Uh, his family is originally uh, from the US and then originally from Scotland, of course, uh, with the last name Roberts. Um, but uh, it's going to be great to talk with him. Uh, you guys are going to see he has a wide um, depth of uh, experience here. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, remember, guys, if any of you need any help investing in Costa Rica or just want us to look at anything or would just like a meeting, you can do. Just email us info at investingcostarica.com, info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, it's amazing the people that have reached out from the podcast uh, and given us great feedback um, and, and just got in contact with us so we could see how we could help them potentially or not. Uh, again, we work all over Costa Rica, helping people make the right decisions when it comes to investing here, more like consultants, we're not realtors, um, and just kind of take a very uh, direct um, and, uh, again, consultative approach to this. But anyway, let's get straight into it. Good morning, Barry. How are you doing? Good morning, Don Richard. Great to talk to you today. Yeah, well, I really, really appreciate you taking the, uh, as what I like to call one of the Godfathers of tourism here. I know that you're you have ve you're a very humble individual, but it's an absolute honor to have you on the podcast, sir. Um, I was trying I to figure out that, just because I'm old doesn't mean I'm a father. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a father, though. Uh, That's true. <laughs> how many years have you been in Costa Rica, Barry? I was born here, so I've lived wow. here all my life. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's uh, this is my home. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting sometimes because when people see Barry Roberts, they don't think that that's like a Tico, but like, yeah, I mean, it's uh, your, your mastico que gallo pinto, as they say. That is correct, sir. So, so. but let's jump into some questions here um, because it's, I think you have a real unique perspective on Costa Rica and kind of where it's going. Um, again, we see your face a lot of the time in the, uh, in the news here, um, you know, um, basically banging the drum for tourism here, supporting tourism. Uh, and really, again, as I mentioned, that's really trying to shape the future uh, of where tourism has gone here. But, you know, the last two years, you know, have been pretty crazy for us here in Costa Rica from that front and specifically the last six months. But I mean, what have you seen that's really surprised you, Barry? Well, uh, I don't know that it's really surprised me. And I'm going to talk basically about tourism, which is where yep. my strength is. But uh, what has become very evident to us is the fact that the curiosity of how the structure of the business network of tourism is in Costa Rica has some very strong aspects to it, but it has some very weak links in it as well. And what has really come out during this pandemic is the weak links, yep. the things that have to be corrected and fixed. And why do I say that? Well, because almost 90% of our companies in tourism are small, medium and micro companies. Yep. So they're, yep. they're mom and pop entities, you know, in, in rural areas, and they're all around the country. 
in all different levels in the beaches, the mountains, etc. So it's it's a unique structure from that perspective, and it's part of what gives the the great feel to the tourism product that we provide our clients because they do have direct interaction with Costa Ricans all along the way in different ways that that come to be, but the. The problem is that over the last 20 years before the pandemic, we've had a tremendously successful sector. And so it's been a very good ride. Everybody's been growing. And a lot of people have come into the business with all these small companies that don't know the history of what it was to build this up. And so they've just been very happy. Everybody was, you know, seeing the fat cows, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the pandemic closed us down for over 10 months. And when I mean closed us down, it was zero tourism. I remember. Yeah, you know very well. <laughs> so it was, it, it's made very evident how weak our, our, our activity is, because I don't like to call it a sector or an industry because it's much more than that. It's so intermingled with everything that happens in Costa Rica that I call it an activity yeah. uh, instead of just a sector or an industry. And the thing that that's key here is that most people don't understand this. And we have been, and we are responsible from the tourism sector because we have not educated people to understand how significant we are. We are 10% of the gross national product. We are directly connected with another 30% of the gross national product. And we are intermingled with the rest of all of the economic activities. Yep. We are the largest employer in 2019. We were the largest employer in private and in direct and indirect uh, people working for us. We've been the, the largest producer of foreign income with the most democratic do dollar precisely because it does go out throughout the whole country and at all the different levels. And because 70% of those dollars stay in Costa Rica, while on the normal uh, exports, you get 17 to 30% stays yeah. in Costa Rica and that goes out. So we are really a tremendous asset to the country. We are strategic to Costa Rica's development. But although we're that big and we're that strategic and we're that important, the reality of it is that in effect, people don't realize this and they don't understand this and they don't respond to us. The government has never responded to us. I mean, you saw the disaster it was in terms of this pandemic and how many we've lost very close to 40%, maybe even more of the companies in tourism because they did not get any kind of financial assistance and we weren't asking for donations already. We we're asking just to get refinancing and, and structures that could be done. Yes. So in effect, what has been very clear is the weakness of our structure and how why we need to make some very serious steps, take some very serious steps in consolidating and becoming a force that people can deal with, interact with and, and know how to respect and take advantage of in benefit of the country. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, whether it's an individual or, you know, a country or anything, you know, ultimately your strength at some point does become your weakness. And I mean, the strength of Costa Rica was its individual boutiqueness, you know, it's kind of organic growth. Of course, that became very apparent that that also became our weakness, because again, the banding together and the representation of, you know, we really didn't have, but let's just change gears a lot, because I think that that kind of does flow a lot into, you know, a lot of people are looking to invest into Costa Rica, they always have done, but really, I think that's been, you know, um, elevated recently. I mean, in your opinion, what do you believe are the upsides investing in Costa Rica, and also kind of potentially the downsides or maybe aspects that people should understand? Okay, on the upsides, uh, I think 
what is most important to me is the fact that we can really uh, set a world trend towards doing positive, constructive, uh, progressive type of tourism that really contributes to the well-being of the of the local communities and the local people, improves their quality of life, and protects nature and promotes uh, act cultural activities, music, gastronomy, all these kinds of things. So in that sense, we have a tremendous potential there, together with the fact that we are in a country that's probably going to be a world leader in terms of the kind of tourism that's post-pandemia, where people can come and recuperate their minds, their souls, their emotions, their bodies, etc., because of the nature and because of the Pura Vida lifestyle that Costa Ricans have. So in that sense, I think that's really great. And so you have a real big potential and you have a potential of being able to do it in any kind of marketplace. And even the, the upper end marketplace seems to be a particularly good uh, area to invest in at this point in, in time. But also you have to look at the, at the downsides and the downsides are the fact that Costa Rica has very high operating expenses. So you really need to know how to structure your business properly to be able to handle these, these uh, increases that you'll see to the average were 17 to 20 percent above uh, cost of living in all of Latin America. So yes. that, that gives you an idea of how how important that is in terms of doing business. And the other part is the the structure of permits and all kinds of things like that that make it very, very complicated, very slow. We are not set up to do quick business. Everybody talks about it and every government promises to change those things. Yeah, but I, I see that as a kind of pro as well, though, Barry. The reason being is if it was very easy to do stuff here, unfortunately, I think the country would be, you know, overrun with businesses. So by making it a little bit more difficult and cumbersome, you better really want to do it. I mean, it, it really weeds out the people that aren't really don't have their heart in, in, in it, if that makes sense. I agree with you in that sense, but I, I would look for a different strategy to avoid that, which is precisely uh, what we would like to do is to have people join in on the way Costa Rica is developing tourism and do it that way so that they have more success. And the people yeah. who don't do it that way won't have the success because they won't follow in line with where the country is positioning itself. And that that would be the deterrent to come and do things differently than what should be done in Costa Rica. And also because there should be ways of, of regulating, you know, the protection of the natural habitat and the protection of cultural things, etc. Yes, those things need to be regulated, protected and, and cared for. But I, I'm not so sure I, I, I want to have the, the, the traumatology, I don't know how you call it in English, <laughs> but getting all these permits. Yeah. Tramitología in Spanish, which is just a, a disease, as far as I'm concerned. But, but yes, I, I agree with you. It also has been, and and that's maybe one way that we've protected ourselves uh, to a great degree. And so I'm not going to disqualify your position by any means. Oh, I mean, it's like roads. I mean, if we had asphalt roads everywhere and highways, I mean, you know, everything would be easily accessible. But the problem with that, of course, is then it cuts off, you know, wildlife corridors, you know, and stuff starts to speed up and like. You know, it kind of keeps Costa Rica adventurous, if that makes sense. No, that's true. But even in that perspective, we can build infrastructure that protects nature and identifies true. with nature and integrates with nature. Yeah. That's not something we can't do. And in fact, our, our latest highway, the one that goes to the big port in, in Dimon, has yeah. precisely been elevated over, over a couple of kilometers of area just to create 
that corridor for animals to move yep. in that area. So there are ways of doing it. But yes, I mean, it, it's a delicate balance and we have to take care of it. So, you know, what we need to do is start, we have the, the, the natural habitat that is spectacular, that's very diverse and, and all over the country. And we have a tremendous quality of our people because since we don't have an army, we don't have death penalty, we don't have, we're not paranoid, we're very friendly and very open yep. and very happy people. And so that makes for, for a unique situation where we should be able to start charging a little bit more for that kind of experience and be able to, to substitute quantity by quality and therefore quantity of dollars and not in quantity of people, yep. you know, which is what we're, what we should aim for. Well, I think that comes back to the point again, you know, the market is moving more to a luxurious focus. And the reason for that really is, is again, as you mentioned there, just the operating costs being higher, of course. So, um, you know, and Costa Rica has a very high quality, you know, I mean, again, a huge percentage. I, I can't remember what the percentage is of hotels here have less than 40 rooms. I mean, it's, you know, it's a 80 percent of 80 yeah. percent of our hotels are less than 40 rooms. You know, so it's a boutique in its nature and, you know, it's it's high quality. So. So, yeah, I mean, based on your experience, Barry, because I know that you spend a lot of time <clears throat> kind of looking at data also kind of out there in the field as well. Where do you believe the gap in the market is at the moment when it comes to tourism here? Well, I think the gap in the market is in two basic areas. First, I think there's a there's still a big gap for luxury uh, boutique hotel and products. I think yep. there's a big gap there in many places. The other gap is in terms of geographical distribution. I mean, there's the places that are being discovered in Costa Rica are phenomenal and beautiful, but if we don't expand to other places that are equally or more beautiful than the ones we already have, what we are going to do is generate a strong, stronger demand and a larger demand and put more pressure on the natural habitat in those areas than distributing it around the country. And this is something that I learned very, very early when I started developing ecotourism here in Costa Rica. It's for example, Monteverde, which is one of the icons of, of cloud forest in Costa Rica. Well, we had a park that, you know, this size of a park. And so what you do it is you'd have a circuit that went all the way around the park. And that's why you saw everything. Well, we learned later that the ecosystems repeat themselves in the same area yep. all over. So then what we did was we did a little circuit here and then another little circuit here and we protected all the rest of the area. Yep. So, it, you know, it, 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 those are the things that we need to do as a country. We need to learn that we need to expand uh, our, our, our visitation to other parts of the country, which will impact positively the quality of life in all these areas for the different towns and people that live in these areas. And also will take off the pressure of, of just going to one place to see things because you can see the same thing in Costa Rica in many places or very yes. similar things. Yeah, I think that the, you know, anyone that's looking to invest here is going to think, you know, okay, I can go to an existing destination. I know what my ADR is going to be. You know, I kind of some, somewhat know what my occupation, my uh, occupancy is going to be. Sorry, I appear to have frozen there, Barry. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay, yes, fantastic. I'm sure my, my kids are, uh, they're at home this week, so I'm sure they're playing Roblox and sucking <laughs> the bandwidth. So. Well, um, it could be my grandchildren too. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, what I was trying to say is that, again, you know, the effort it takes to create a location, Barry, because we've seen it, you know, successful for some people, other people have failed. 
you know, in order to go and do that, I mean, it's a lot of effort to create a new destination here, whereas sometimes it's easier to ride the coattails of, you know, of what has been done before. And when there is no financial benefit, you know, to go and create a new destination, then, you know, it's easier. I mean, you take the low hanging fruit, right? Because you may have to take licks for years. So, you know, and I keep going back to the, you know, Italian ecotourismo model, where if you were to take something out in the countryside, an old building and do it up, you know, the government would give you loans at low interest, but you have to employ locals, use local produce, you know, and, and, and have an impact on the community. Um, and I don't know whether until Costa Rica is doing that, you know, it's going to drive people away from these destinations. Well, you're right. And I think that's precisely one of the great responsibilities the government has is to is to create the conditions that will promote people to develop destinations on a small scale. See, yeah. but we're not talking about Rome or Paris or or anything like that. We're talking about very small, very small destinations that could be two, three little hotels and and a couple of restaurants and different activities and the and the activities on the beach or in the mountain or whatever. So we're really not talking about huge destinations. We're talking about multiple small destinations that don't require so much, but that are blessed by the interaction and the integration of all their actors, you know, of all their parts. Yep. So you get the people who are the guys who work at your property, and then they take the clients over to their mom's house to see how she cooks things. And then they take them over to see their dad doing the or whoever is doing the gardening and see the vegetables and you can participate getting the vegetables for your salad or whatever. I mean, and then doing activities and seeing the kids going to school and interacting with kids and getting the kids and, sh and sharing their culture with kids. This is one of the things that I think is important for Costa Rica is traveling opens your minds and opens your perspective. Well, our kids need that and we can't get them to travel, but we can bring the cultures to them through tourism that can come and interact with them and share with them things and ideas and make friendships for life. I mean, yeah. you know, these are things that I think can make a big difference without too much investment. I agree. Yeah. I mean, just having those, you know, those unique experiences, you get a real sense for Costa Rica and its people. And I mean, just going back to that, I mean, you know, this country has a great canvas, but like the people make it special. Um, you know, I mean, I've been to beautiful countries in the world where I'm like, I don't know that I'd go back just because I didn't feel as welcome as I do in Costa Rica, you know, and again, I'm biased. I think we both are because we live here, but everybody talks about the people when they come here, everybody, you know, so... Well, Barry, a lot of people are looking to buy or build hotels at the moment. It's the amazing the amount of, you know, conversations I have with people that are looking to do that. Um, I mean, what advice or considerations do you think people should understand when doing this? And what do you think are the key elements of running a hotel successfully here? Beyond cost controls, of course, which we talked about. Yeah, well, I think that uh, the key is to understand to begin with that having a hotel is not a business business by itself outside yep. of the community and the activities that surround it, particularly in Costa Rica, because that's the positioning of Costa Rica is all the things that you can do from the hotel in the different areas. So what I, I think is if you buy a hotel that already exists, you're going to have to maybe think of re-engineering your, your hotel as to, to make sure that you can include these things and, and make it as profitable as you can in that way. But if you haven't, if you're not buying something that's already built, then the best thing is to do reverse engineering and start from the property and start from where it's located in the community around it and make the analysis of what 
of what is there that you can take advantage of and really make unique and, and make it your unique selling proposition so that people will want to go to your particular hotel and then design the property in response to the kind of profile of client that you're going to get to come to these things. And yeah. see, that's a different way of doing it. Most of the time they just build a hotel and say, okay, now let's go out and find the people that will want to come and stay at this hotel. But I think here in Costa Rica, if you want to be maximum, maximum success in your effort is do it the other way around. Find what is already here that makes people come, which is the nature and the people, how you can integrate that into a place where people can come and stay to this, to enjoy these things and then build around that and come up with a product. And then uh, to manage it, you know, the more you get involved with, with local people and do the, the training and the rest, you don't have to, the, the advantage with Costa Ricans is that you don't have to teach uh, attitudes or characters. They're very friendly, very yeah. hospitable and the rest. So that makes a big difference because that's your key element for service. And, and so you can train them on technical aspects, how you make a bed, how you clean a bathroom, how you do this, how you do that. They'll learn and they learn very well. They're very capable of learning very fast and doing things properly. So that's a great advantage. And so including locals in your, in your uh, development and your operations is key to the success. And then of course you can bring in a training and bring in some people at the, at the upper level to, to direct while you develop your own managers or whatever. But but it, it, it's key to, to me, it's key to think of, of how you can involve the local communities and make them have a, an interest in the success of your hotel. That's the key to the design factor in terms of whether you're incorporating into the community. If you can get the community to have a vested interest in your success as a project, then you're going to do very well. Yep. If they don't have it, then, you know, it's just whatever happens. I'll take my salary. I'll do this. I'll do that. But you don't get that mysticism. You don't get that that mission sense, you know, that that people want. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always thinking about, OK, you know, I'm <clears throat> transitioning a little bit here from, um, you know, tourism into kind of real estate and kind of, you know, um, bringing those two things together, because a lot of the time those things don't happen. You know, you've got tourism on one side, you've got real estate on the other. But like the two things need to be they need to come together. You know, they need to come together, yes. Um, and, and slowly and surely they are. It's just, again, is, you know, the people in real estate don't understand tourism and the people in tourism don't understand real estate a lot of the time, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, I think there is a model out there. You know, once I'm through this stage in my career and move to the next stage, Barry, which when I'm probably in my 50s, is I've, I've always thought about a model by where is creating those unique lodges and hotels in an area that the community owns, if that makes sense, meaning where you train the community and then after like, you know, a couple of years, once it's running, you move on to the next one so that you can create jobs in a community. You can train people in the community. And now they have a sustainable method, you know, of, I suppose, yeah, I mean, of having their own businesses because the hotel is the community's business, if that makes sense, and how they run it and making the people that come there, um, you know, part of that, of that experience. It was just, I, I don't think, I think the person that maybe got closely to do that, but you'd probably know more was Jim DeMarlis at Santa Juana Lodge, um, you know, because that community runs that hotel. Um, yeah. I say a hotel, but it's a lodge. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, have you have you ever seen anything like that in Costa Rica? Well, no, but that's my ideal. But not necessarily to drop it and go to another place. Yeah, I think that what we need to do is maintain connections between them so that we can cross sell and upsell and do different things like that. Because part of the whole success of tourism is is like building a tunnel. You come from one side in the product side, and you come from the demand side on the other side, and you meet in the middle. Yeah. And the part of the demand side is the part that Costa Ricans who don't have the experience outside of Costa Rica, who don't know the distribution channel and the rest don't necessarily have a, a grasp on to be able to compete properly in this marketplace. So I think that in that sense, we need to we need to maintain the support in the marketing side, although the operational side, you can pretty much relax and they'll do a good job with it once you train them and do it like Jim does with 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 his hotel. but. Yes, I think that that's 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 the kind of thing that you'd want to see because there there you're going to have vested interest. That's what I was talking about before, where they have a vested interest in your success. That's the best experience they're going to have. And it could know? be a vested interest in their own success as well, if that makes oh, sense. Oh no, it has to be. It has to be. Like has to be. Um, you know. So, well, let's just change gears a little bit to speak about DDD, which is your company. Maybe you can explain to us what it does, uh, and also kind of what you guys are working on at the moment, because I think it kind of rolls into the marketing side a little bit, right? Well, it does. Uh, basically, what we found is that in all these years of experience in the industry is that in hotels, what usually happens is you have a strong sales force, but you don't have a strong marketing structure. And so you're trying to pressure your sales force to produce for you what they have not been given the proper context with which to deal with, like the, the proper protocols. They haven't done a customer journey analysis of their normal profiles of their segments. They haven't even segmented their, their clientele, et cetera. So you definitely need to have a very clear understanding of the whole structure. And that has to be bound into your operations part as well. So there is, is a problem between sales and marketing and operations. And this brings up another point. We are in a service industry where the attitude and the way people deal with other people, our clients, is key. And right. one of the key problems that we find in, in all these is bad communication problems between what is a personal communication and a company, a corporate communication or a formal communication. And a lot of problems like that happen that generate, doesn't matter how much good structure, how many good processes you in you implement if you don't have the proper attitude from your employees because there's not a good uh labor culture between you you know then then it doesn't work and so we we try to we come in and and we try to become back offices our our clients usually have a four and a half year average stay with us because we become a back office for them but we do a diagnosis first so we know exactly what we're dealing with then we design the solution which includes training and follow-up and we do follow up, you know, like with mystery shopping or or webinars and training, et cetera, because you want it to be implemented, but you want it to become part of your activity and not just a training that you get for a little bit. And so what happens is we go through this process and then you have to reevaluate because things are changing all the time. And specifically now with the pandemic, now the great majority of our tourists, 85 percent of our tourists are from the U.S. Well, before pandemic, it was only 45 percent. So that means a different type of, of way of dealing, different cultures, et cetera. So we're, we're working on that and, and we try to help people in that sense and, and, and do the diagnosis, the, the design and the training and follow up together all the time. 
And presently, we're working on a very interesting thing, which is developing a platform with the assistance of the IDB, the International Development Bank, and the and the Association of National Chambers of Tourism of Central America on a technological platform in which we can bring together the small companies that we have so we can give them training, we can give them certifications, we can uh, provide a channel for getting supplies at, at special rates and organic material, et cetera, et cetera. And things of that nature that will that will educate them, show share best practices with them, make access to them to all kinds of services that they don't have available at this point. And teach them, for example, even on climate change and how to how to deal with it and how to improve on it, how to deal with with digital marketing for 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 these small companies. It's a very difficult and costly factor for many people, but they can do it simply and really take a great advantage of it. You know more than anybody how important that is for the success of the marketing structure. So those are things that we're working on to try to, to help the industry and the whole region. Yeah, I mean, I think every business is multi, you know, faceted and like, especially tourism, as we mentioned there, anything that's involved in that. I mean, you can be great at operations, but there is a whole other element, which is the sales and a whole other element, which is marketing, you know, and just on their own, you know, they're, you, they're very deep, you know, so you need a lot of, lot of knowledge. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I think building that platform is going to help a lot of people, um, you know, in Costa Rica and I think throughout Central America. So that's the idea. Barry, I always like to ask people is, where's your favorite place to go in Costa Rica? My home. <laughs> I have an oasis. Well, you've been you here. I've had, had an oasis very close to the town, but where I feel totally out. But that's, I mean, I'm being a little facetious there. Of but but in, in truth, though, the fact is that I have been all over Costa Rica so many times, and I never fail to be surprised, impressed, and overwhelmed by such beautiful things that show up all over the place. And so it really depends on what you want to do and how you want to do it. Costa Rica has a variety of things that just are spectacular. In fact, I tell a story I used to go to when I was more in the operational side, I'd go to Brazil to promote Costa Rica and I'd say, okay, how long does it take you to get to know the Amazon? Oh, two weeks at least. How long does it take you to get to go know the beaches? Oh, at least two weeks and like that. So, well, you come to Costa Rica and in a week, I'll show you all of Brazil. <laughs> so it, there's just so much variety in Costa Rica that I really can't say I have one favorite spot. There are different things for different places and they're all equally spectacular. So I I, I really, I, I was a bit facetious, but I mean, home is a very important factor for me, but, but yes, anywhere in Costa Rica is a great destination to go. Well, I mean, you've got a beautiful home. I mean, it's, how old is that house? It's a, you know. It, well, the first registry we have of its sale was 210 years ago, so. Wow. Wow. It's Adobe. It's made out of Adobe. So it's a, it's a very local type house. Yes. It's amazing how we're just going around in circles because a lot of people are looking to build like Adobe hemp style, you know, homes at the moment, which are a lot more sustainable than, you know, trapping carbon in cement. So, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, Barry, my last question for you, because um, I, I, again, um, I really value your time, but if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it in a business or real estate in Costa Rica, what would you do with it and why? Well, I think I would do what we were talking about earlier. 
which is build a small glamping center or a small luxury hotel with just a few rooms and invest a good part of that in developing the community and creating the product to such a strong sense of, of belonging by the people who participate that we will have such an impact on people that it will sell itself because everybody will start recommending coming to our place and we won't have to spend so much on marketing and the rest to do it. And, and then as we make it, as we consolidate it, then we can start building more rooms, adding more tents or whatever. But I think that that's what I would like to do because I think that's where I'll feel the highest level of satisfaction of impacting the quality of life of the people in a community and of benefiting myself from growing with them and seeing what it is. I mean, all my life I've, I've been around Costa Rica trying to help in different areas and, and the greatest sense of satisfaction is when I, when I see things like this happen and fall into place. So I, I would love to do something like that. Awesome. Well, Barry, really appreciate your time today. Um, anyone that wants to contact Barry or DDD, I'll put all their contact details in the description down below. But really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, Barry. Thank you, Richard. And, and I appreciate what you're doing because this kind of communication is very important because the whole process of developing tourism on a regenerative development platform is to educate each other and to yeah. learn from each other and to help each other. So programs like this, this podcast and other things that are doing really contribute significantly to doing that. So I congratulate you and I thank you for inviting me. No worries. Thanks, Barry. You have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, great podcast there with Barry. As you can see, uh, Barry has been in tourism nearly his whole life here in Costa Rica, uh, has been involved in many projects. And, you know, you can see that there's a huge focus on community in Costa Rica um, and also the, the people here, which makes it special. So again, if anyone's looking to invest in Costa Rica or wants to do any tourism type projects or any rentals, uh, let us know. We have a lot of experience in maximizing revenue in rentals or guiding people on where the market is. Uh, I mean, I personally managed over $600, $600 million in luxury vacation sales just here in Costa Rica alone during the last 17 years. So um, very unique uh, viewpoint into the country. But you can contact us, info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, again, I'm Richard Begson and appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the podcast. Thanks.